Welcome to the Neuropedic Sports Rehab Podcast. I'm your host, Ramez Antoon, but please call me Mez. I'm a physical therapist and a strength coach. And in this show, we talk about the continuum of clinical practice to getting back to training in the gym. We focus on sustainable performance and longevity. I'd like to thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy our show. Before we start, if you're a sports PT interested in a virtual mentorship, make sure you stick around for after the episode. We have more details about our 12-week mentorship program that we've been getting awesome feedback from our students. Also, if you like to consume content by reading, we drop a weekly newsletter every Friday morning with free sports rehab and fitness content. So if you're interested, make sure you check out the episode description where we have a link to sign up for our weekly newsletter. All right, without further delay, let's get into today's episode. In today's episode, we go back into a therapeutic activity that we extracted from the hierarchical model of motor control, otherwise known as the neurodevelopmental model of motor control. These are fundamental rolling patterns that we see in the first few months after a baby is born. This is how we essentially develop postural control in the very early stages of motor development. I dive into a few different stories of how rolling patterns have helped me in various different rehabilitation settings, that being the acute rehab setting, the pediatric setting, and also orthopedic and sports medicine, progressing it into fitness, and how rolling patterns can help us in various different ways when we're rehabbing the motor control system. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and without further ado, let's dive in. Okay, so we're talking about rolling patterns today. Fundamental rolling patterns. We're talking about rolling from our back to our side or to our stomach. How can something like a basic rolling pattern help in acute rehab, pediatric rehab, and in orthopedics and sports rehab? I want to share with you guys a few different stories from various different settings. One most recently in the hospital setting, in acute rehab, and then two other stories from a pediatric encounter and from an orthopedic and sports medicine encounter. You know, it's really interesting that something developmentally is so important when we're looking at the development of locomotion, but it is essentially forgotten after we meet our milestones for development. So therapeutically, how can rolling patterns be used? I wanna start with my most recent encounter in a hospital setting. So I'm doing some per diem work at a local hospital and I was seeing a COVID patient recently. This literally just happened this week. I was evaluating this patient and he was a 55 year old male, with COVID, but his symptoms have pretty much resolved. And he's been in bed for a few days now. At baseline, this guy is walking without an assistive device. He was a previous uh, police officer, so he's pretty high level, completely independent with all of his activities of daily living, and he's a pretty active guy. We go to get him up out of bed, And when he stands, he kept falling backwards. So he kept having a posterior loss of balance. No matter what we did, he kept losing his balance. 
Finally, we got the walker in front of him, which for him was like shooting him in the face. He was like, I can't believe I need a walker right now. Like, why do I keep losing my balance? So we finally got him up. He's holding the walker. And I start to talk him through the modified cat sib screen for balance. So static and dynamic heads, eyes open, eyes closed. Well, we didn't really get very far. Just with eyes open on a solid surface, having him turn his head to the left and right, again, he's losing his balance backward, this time taking the walker with him. So I thought back to my experience in Vallejo when I was doing my PNF residency and how we were so adamant about getting people rolling around to help reestablish their ability to move in bed, number one, and weight shift. So I had this guy lay back in bed, scoot all the way to one side of the bed, and I just had him roll five times to the left and roll five times to the right. Now to get practical here, I cued him to reach his arm across his midline and reach his knee across his midline as he lifted his head and looked to the other side of the room. And then I just gave him a target with my hand. So we did that a few times to the left. We did it several times to the right. And then on the last rep, I had him sit up back to the edge of the bed. We stood up. He initially had a posterior weight shift back, but he immediately had a writing reaction and he righted himself. And I'm not making this up. We got through all of the modified cat sib conditions on a solid surface, so both static and dynamic head movements with eyes open and eyes closed with no loss of balance. Now, this wasn't the first time I experienced something like this. In my neuro, re neuro residency, we had several people who had just had a brain injury or a stroke where we focused the entire treatment on what we called supine prone progressions, where we were rolling, side sit on elbow, getting to quadruped positions, kneeling positions, and they would eventually be able to take a step in standing in the parallel bars where they couldn't before or get better stance phase on one side where they couldn't before. And this was one of the first times that I actually saw rolling help this individual with just basic balancing standing up from the bed. And he looked at me and he was like, well, what just happened there? And I basically explained to him, listen, when we're laying in bed and we're rolling around, we're using our inner ear, our eyes, and the muscles on the front side of our body to shift our weight from our back and forward to get onto our side. When you were standing up, when you kept losing your balance backwards, the front side of your body, your abdominals and the muscles that keep you from falling backwards, they just weren't waking up enough. So we just helped wake them up a little bit by rolling from your back to your side. Think of a baby. Baby learns how to roll around before it learns how to walk. This is a way to reset the balance system sometimes. He immediately looked at me and said, that makes total sense. So I left him with the fact that if he has another day where he wakes up and he's just losing his balance backwards and his balance is just off, get back in bed and roll from side to side several times to help reset the system. Now, it sounds like a very simple solution, but sometimes rolling patterns can be that simple low-hanging fruit if we can just use nature's gift to help reset something like this. It can be eye-opening and game-changing. So now another experience that I had in more of a pediatric encounter, 
I remember when I was in my orthopedic manual therapy fellowship, we had a mother bring in her four-year-old girl into the clinic. No orthopedic issues whatsoever, other than she was saying that her daughter was having trouble, quote-unquote, keeping up with the other toddlers on the soccer field. And everyone else kind of threw their hands up in the air and they looked at me like, you know, I was the neuro guy. So like, Ramez, you, you can take this four-year-old girl. We don't know what to do with her. So as I interviewed the mom, I asked her some more questions and, and we came to find out that this four-year-old child, she never crawled as a baby or as, a, uh, as an infant. And she barely really rolled around. She didn't, the mom was saying she, she wasn't rolling around as much as her previous daughter or her older daughter. So for the next four weeks, really what I did was I created a bunch of different games on the floor and I got down on the floor with this girl and we rolled around and we crawled and we we made up games with a ball pretending like I was the goalie and she was the um, the scorer and had her try to on all fours roll around and get a goal if you will the point being my primary focus was getting this four-year-old girl to roll around crawl get back on the ground roll around and crawl and within four to six weeks the mom was describing that she was actually a little bit more coordinated on the soccer field now i don't know if this was a just bias the fact that she wanted physical therapy to help or not, but you could see quite a bit of a change in the overall movement patterns of this of this infant, not infant, excuse me, toddler, by going back to basic patterns that we develop as infants. And I just thought it was really interesting that, again, something so basic like a rolling pattern, which becomes crawling patterns, can really help a toddler become a little bit more coordinated, become a little bit more, uh, or keep up a little bit more with the other kids who didn't have a, a developmental delay as the mom was describing it. And then finally, I had an orthopedic and a sports medicine case. Now, a lot of you listening know that I'm trained through the SFMA. <clears throat> so we used the rolling patterns from the SFMA in this particular case, but the case was this patient named Julie came in and she was a younger individual. She was, you know, late 20s. She was having knee pain with lunging for a year. She just couldn't, there was no traumatic injury. There was no red flags. None of the biomechanical tests or special tests were provoking her knee pain other than she had pain with squatting and she had pain with lunging. We took her through a full assessment and we found that really she didn't have any mobility limitations, but she did not have great motor control of her thoracic spine. So rotating to the right, the mobility was there. She just couldn't actively access that motion. Other than that, no glaring mobility problems came to the forefront. When I brought her to rolling patterns, it was interesting that this patient could not for the life of her roll from her back to prone with just using her legs. She couldn't do it. She could do it with her arms, couldn't do it with her legs. So 
We worked on that. I won't get into the logistics of working on that, but we used some reactive neuromuscular training through the arms with bands, putting some uh, pillows underneath her torso so that she has this rolling down a hill experience to make it a little bit easier. And then we progressed her into rotary stability drills because again, rolling becomes crawling, becomes any type of dissociation between upper and lower torso. So then we went from rolling patterns to quadruped bird dog. And she was a pretty strong and fit individual, so that progressed to a bear crawl. We, through the course of four to six weeks, got her to half kneeling chops and lifts. We got her into a bottom of a lunge, an iso hold at the bottom of a lunge, superimposing a chop and a lift. We then got her up and did some stride stance, chops and lifts. And that all progressed to a reverse lunge with one arm band rows. Just getting that coordination of rotary stability, upper and lower dissociation. What was really surprising to me in this orthopedic case was just after restoring some of the rolling patterns of the lower quarter, in the evaluation, this patient was able to stand up and do a forward lunge and do a squat without pain. That to me was astonishing because it was one of the first times in an orthopedic setting that I experienced rolling patterns having a direct influence on knee pain or an orthopedic um, injury, if you will. And I, I'm going to put quotes around orthopedic because in this case, it wasn't orthopedic at all. I actually looked at Julie as a patient and I, after that moment, remembered my four-year-old toddler that I treated in my orthopedic residency. I never got to ask Julie if she rolled or if she crawled, or if she had any of those developmental um, hiccups. She probably didn't remember. But I, I just wonder, and it just makes me curious when we have these motor control issues and we bring it all the way back down to the, a fundamental rolling pattern. Can you roll from your back to your side and show me that pattern gracefully and all the different variations that can come from that? Mind you, there's a thousand different ways we can roll. The fact of the matter is, given the restraints that we provide, the task, can the person demonstrate that movement option? I really do believe rolling is nature's gift. There is a reason why rolling is fundamental in the developmental milestones, and there's a reason why in various different settings, whether that be an acute rehab setting, a pediatric setting, or orthopedic and sports medicine setting, that rolling, when prescribed and when looked at in the right time, can really have profound implications on our motor control strategies. So the bottom line here for me is that rolling seems to help reset rotational stability throughout the body, which really helps to dissociate upper and lower quarters of the spine and the trunk, which is fundamental for locomotion. Number two, it seems to really help recalibrate reflex postural reactions or writing reactions. How? I think it has something to do with coordinating the vestibulo-ocular reflex, the vestibular postural system, using the least degrees of freedoms, the least degree of freedom, excuse me, and the largest base of support, essentially being on the floor, 
and using that fundamental posture to teach weight shifting to teach someone how to access their flexors as they go from supine to prone rolling. If you think about the tonic labyrinthian reflex, when we go from supine to prone, we have to be able to access our flexors and shut down our extensors for lack of a better term. And that is what we see when we're able to access the tonic labyrinthian reflex. When I, my cervical spine comes into flexion, I can easily access trunk flexors. Whereas if my head stays in extension, it's a lot harder to access trunk flexors because I keep my trunk extensors on. And that's what we see a lot with children with cerebral palsy or someone after a stroke where they're in extensor tone. They try to roll from their back to their stomach or to their side by pushing their occiput into the floor or into the bed to roll over. They try to use an extensor pattern to perform a flexion-based rolling pattern. So in a nutshell, that's how I think rolling seems to really help reset the body in a few different ways, helping us in both the acute rehab setting, in the pediatric setting, and in the orthopedic and sports rehab setting as well, and really taking some of these fundamental patterns and actually progressing into fitness because again rolling becomes crawling becomes half kneeling chops and lifts becomes inline lunging becomes hurdle stepping becomes sprinting becomes locomotion and that'll do it for today's episode thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed it please share it with a colleague follow our podcast leave us a review it'll greatly help us spread the word and share this information with more practitioners if you have any questions about any of the information please feel free to email me at remez at neuropedicspt.com i answer all my emails and i am willing to nerd out with any of you all right thank you again for listening and have an awesome rest of your day I want to let you know about our foundation's mentorship program. This is a 12-week program designed for orthopedic and sports physical therapists interested in better understanding how various motor control and neuromuscular rehab models can be integrated into any practice, making you a well-rounded therapist while improving outcomes. With the various motor control perspectives available to us today, oftentimes we can be left feeling confused, not knowing who to listen to and which course to take next. We know what it feels like to take a weekend course and feel like you have to choose between one approach or another, but it doesn't have to be that way. What if a certain depth of understanding and various models brought us some clarity, cognitive agility, and creativity into our clinical practice? That's our goal with this 12-week program. We'll dive deep into five of the foundational systems of motor control, like the reflex model and the dynamic systems model, We'll dissect each model's strengths and weaknesses to see how each model may complement one another through synergy. Here's what you'll get through this 12-week program. You'll get home study content, which will consist of PowerPoint audio lectures. You'll get one-on-one -on -one mentoring calls for an hour a week where we dissect practical case study examples from your current caseload so you can apply the content to your clients right away. We'll also have plenty of time for Q&A so you can get a deeper understanding of the home study material. Here's what you will not get from this program. We're not offering new techniques or fancy exercises, and we're not promoting new assessment or evaluation strategies. 
And rather than bashing other systems, we'll be taking a different approach towards motor control, an inside-out approach where we start with our why and our beliefs and values. If you're interested in learning more about this 12-week mentorship program, please email us at neuropedicspt at gmail.com. We're now offering free discovery calls so you can learn more about what we have to offer. And now, without further delay, let's dive into today's episode.